Uh, I want to look at Acts chapter 17 today, and we can read here, especially uh, verse number 11, but I do want to begin with verse number 10, and we'll read down through verse 14. The scripture says, and the brethren, this is Acts chapter 17, verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks, and of men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Lord, we look to you today for strength and grace and mercy, uh, that as we look to this subject today from your word, we pray that you would uh, enrich us, you'd strengthen us, Lord, you'd help us to just be reminded of what a blessing that it is uh, to be able to search the scriptures. And we just we ask, Lord, for uh, blessings, for strength, for grace and guidance, and uh, the ability, Lord, to speak uh, of this subject uh, in a way, Lord, that'll be simple, in a way that we can understand, in a way that we can grasp, and and uh, and it, that it might be a blessing to us. We pray your blessings now, in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> Scripture says in verse 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were souls. The Scriptures to search is the title of my message today. The Scriptures to search. These were more noble than in Thessalonica than the folk in Thessalonica and the the, the, the part that made them more noble, as the Scripture says here, and of course these were Jews. I mean, he's talking about Jews who were unsaved Jews at this time that he's speaking to, that he's preaching to. Well, these were more noble in, than in Thessalonica in that they received a search. He's in the synagogue, and he's saying they searched the Scriptures. Uh, uh, Luke is telling that they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. And some of them believed as a result as we look at this passage of Scripture. But what are the Scriptures that we are to search? In that they received the Word with all readiness of mind here. What are the Scriptures we are to search? We, are, we don't share the... If, and I'll say this today, and as we think about this... We don't share some extreme positions that I believe that are that almost counter and they're almost against our defense of the Bible that we preach. 
And in other words, there are some people who hold some extreme positions, and, and in all due respect, I, I would disagree with them. And, um, and some examples are that the KJV, the King James Version, is of direct revelation. Some people believe that it is of direct revelation uh, with, which, with which we can correct the Hebrew and the Greek. And I would say that is unwise. I say that is not true. It is not true. Rather, this is a translation of God's Word, and we have it. But, but also, there's some who make believe that, that persons making a profession of faith, having done so using a different Bible version, are lost. I don't believe that either. I believe that the Lord can save people according to His mercy and grace through the preaching of the Gospel, and that the Word of God that is preached that even can come from some of the other translations, uh, the Lord can save. The Lord can bring people unto a saving knowledge of Him. And so I don't believe that extreme position either. Uh, or that we can never learn any spiritual truth from those using a different version. I don't believe that that's true either. I believe we need to be careful that we that we uh, that we that we understand that there's uh, that there can be people who do not have the complete maybe a complete picture of 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 why we believe what we believe in this in this matter, and some have just come to different conclusions, and at the same time does not mean that they do not know the Lord, nor that they may not be very wise in the things of the Lord. But the question is. Do we have the Bible today? Do we have the Bible? The Scripture says they searched the Scriptures. They searched the Scriptures. And, and in all due respect, I don't believe that meant that they were perusing over several different versions of the Scriptures. Rather, they were simply searching what they knew to be the Scriptures at the time. And that would that would that would most likely be uh, at least that, if you will, that Masoretic Hebrew text of the Old Testament. And it's also possible these are Grecians. It's also possible that there was a Greek translation that they may have been looking at and may have been considering. But at any rate, what they're looking at, what we're seeing here, is they're searching the scriptures. And the question is, do we have? The scriptures to search. Do we are we the ability to do what they were doing then, as it relates not only to the Old Testament but but also uh, the New Testament? Determining what scriptures to search wasn't an issue for the Jews at Berea, but it's become an issue for English-speaking people today, and we believe there to be no reason for cloudiness uh, on where to turn. Some would have you believe that the searching, as I say, requires, and, and literally some very strongly believe and, and, and hold a conviction that the searching of the Scriptures, a, a, good, a good policy or a good practice in the searching of the Scriptures, literally is to take different Bible versions. I mean, I read, read the recommendations, heard the recommendations myself, to take these different numerous Bible versions and study them all and do the comparison between the different ones 
And I would say that we don't believe that's the wisest thing to do at all. We don't believe it's the wisest thing to do. And there are some very serious reasons why we don't. And, uh, and so we think about this morning. And I'd like us to consider this morning in order to keep from try to try to keep it compressed as much as we can um, but that was my fear here is uh, which I was telling uh, my wife uh, a few times that my fear here is being able to keep it as compressed as I can keep it as simple as I can and without spending three and a half hours maybe only spending three this way but consider the, the no <laughs> by myself here yeah that's right I can understand I can understand I would do the I would I would definitely do the same thing to you um, so any, <laughs> anyway uh, but it, it's an issue of why we want to simply express the issue as best we can of why our churches are right in studying only the King James Version with an appropriate and a respectful reference reference to the original languages. And we'll start with a few doctrinal considerations first, and then we'll look at a few historical considerations, and then finally we'll look at some practical considerations today. But first of all, the doctrinal considerations. God's Word makes it very clear that God has promised to preserve His Word. God has promised to preserve it. Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, if, if, re, if really read in context, seems rather clear to be saying that God's Word, that there is a plan for God's Word, for God's people, that is to last. That is to be all the time, all the way through. Psalm, I'll get there. Psalm 12, <clears throat> verse number 6 and 7. The scripture says there, Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord... Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. In other words, from now until eternity. For now and forever. For, from, here, from, from, from right now. From here until forever. From, from David's day. From the psalmist David's day until now. Thou wilt keep them, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. These pure words that the Lord has for His people. Pure as they can be. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18 says that there's not a, there's not a jot or a tittle. It, it, well, that's Matthew 24. But Matthew chapter 5 verse 18, let's look at that. Matthew chapter 5, and I just want to turn to a few verses right here. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18. What does he say? For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot, Jesus speaking, one jot or one tittle 
shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Until it's all fulfilled, not the slightest little bit, not a gnat is going, not a gnat's hair is going to pass from the word of God, pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse number 35. The scripture says there, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Verse 35. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4. Matthew 4 and verse 4. The scripture says, But he said unto them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now I believe in progressive revelation. I believe that God's word, there there were time periods in which that the word of God was was being brought together. And the word of God was being given. And I believe that God spake, and He spake to men of old, holy men of old, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, as as the Scripture teaches. And I believe believe that even in the New Testament time, that this is what has happened, that that took place, that very same thing took place. And the Word of God was canonized, so to speak. And the Word of God was brought together. and, and, uh, And as it was all brought together, then we begin to see and we understand providentially how that God is has has given us his word there were phases in which it came came in I mean all through New Testament time the Old Testament was complete right I mean they had the Bible they had the Old Testament scriptures the scriptures were the scriptures and they were the Old Testament but now we have the New Testament scriptures and they are the scriptures and we don't have to doubt whether or not we have them they are the scriptures we need to hold them we need to uh, declare them. We need to do what God would have us to do with them and, com- and, and, and obey His commandments. We need to search them. As the Scripture says that the folks in, in Berea did. So there was this promise. There is clearly a promise in God's Word of preserving His Word. There's an atmosphere today of confusion. There's an atmosphere of confusion. We're talking about the doctrinal considerations, if you will, first of all today. And I said there's a promise of preservation. There is also an atmosphere of confusion. What's he reading? Says Grandma with her King James Bible. What is he reading? What, what, where is he reading from? I, I can't find it. I can't find my passage. I don't know what he's saying up there. You know, I thought he was quoting a passage of Scripture, but I don't even know what he's doing. Mine doesn't say that. You know, Mine doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, when I just heard that, I realized that what he just said was absolutely in direct contradiction to what mine says. I mean, there are certain passages that could be read, and it will be an exact confrontation to what the Scripture says. Memorize? Memorize What? What am I going to memorize? Now, what scripture am I going to have in my heart? What scriptures am I going to have at my tongue and have to my disposal and have to be able to utilize and, and, to, and to be that which I'm hiding within my heart? What do I have? 
what scriptures do I have? And I just say that there's an atmosphere of confusion that is the atmosphere that we live in today. Do we have the Word of God? Do we have the Word of God? And, and I ask the question, is confusion, this kind of confusion, is it healthy? Is it healthy for believers? And I'm going to say, there's no way it's healthy. There's no way there's something great and healthy about it. It, it, it doesn't seem, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, you have let all things be done decently and in order. I mean, there's, there's to be there's to be self-control. There is to, the, the Word of God speaks about about a systematic some some things that are just that are just settled. Thy Word, oh God, it's settled in heaven. The Scripture says it's 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 forever settled, and 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 we need God's Word. We need to feast upon. We need to eat upon God's more than our necessary food. You know, our food's important, but more than our necessary food. We get it, you know. We, the 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 we need to have a a, a diet upon a, a healthy diet upon God's word, and that healthy diet is going to consist of God's word, and it's going to consist of what God has to say. There is today, as well as say, there's a promise of preservation. There's an atmosphere of confusion. There's a lure of personal preference today too. There's a great lure of personal preference. And that is, there's a the word of God. I mean, there is such a thing as the as as the perpetuity of God's word. And there's a practical side of that perpetuity. In Second Peter chapter one and verses twenty and twenty one. Second Peter chapter one and verses twenty and twenty one. The scripture says, "Knowing this first, after Paul had already, I mean, Peter had already said, you know, when." When we made known to you, back in verse 15, Moreover, I'll, I'll, I'll endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things uh, always in remembrance. And, and I think he's talking about the scriptures. I think he's talking about what he has written to these folk. And he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God, or we, for he received from God the Father, honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, verse eighteen, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the mount. We have also, verse nineteen. Oh, hear it. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. We have a more sure word. We have a, we have a, a testimony from God's word in the New Testament. As we read it, as we see it, that sure word of prophecy. And he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is God's word, and it's God's word that we need. And it's God's word that is being tampered with today. It is God's word that we as God's people have a... a, a, There's something practical about this perpetuity. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the scripture says, "All, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
and is profitable for correction, for proof, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's God's word. And, and, it, and it is practical for us that he has preserved it. It is inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. But what good is an inspired book that is lost for 1900 years? What good is an inspired book to people in this world today, to people a hundred years ago, whenever they didn't have, supposedly, they just had the King James Bible. They didn't have anything better. They didn't have the the new translations that corrected the, the King James and corrected the Textus Receptus and such as this. They didn't have that advantage. Well, I would say today that they had everything they needed. They had all they needed. There's a practical side of this perpetuity, and that is that the inspired Word of God, God is not going to allow His inspired Word to fail. He's not going to allow it to, 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 to be corrupted. He's not going to allow it. He has taken good care of His Word. And easier, some people say, easier English to understand. They want easier They want easier Bible to understand. And I will say to you, listen to me, I'll say to you that it's, it's a question of whether or not, unfortunately it is a question of whether or not that you want a Bible that is translated from the Masoretic Hebrew and from the Texas Receptus. You, do you want that? Is that what you want? Because to departure means a departure to personal paraphrase to, per, to something that is not literal translation. And what it means is you have man's word about God's word instead of God's word. And what we need is God's word. I, I know that a, that a literal trans, translation is going to be more difficult to understand than just common vulgar English. I know that. But I accept that. Because... I'm dealing with something pretty serious here. We're not. We're dealing with something pretty technical here. We're not dealing with with just something that you know you can the shade of green you want on your wall. We're dealing with our lives as God's people. We're dealing with with the lives of others. We're dealing with the importance of what am how am I going to live? How am I going to make it when times get tough? How am I as a child of God going to enter into the kingdom of God in the sense of, of growing and, 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 and being and flourishing according to His own will for my life? Well, yeah, it's, 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 if, you want, if you want the accurate translation of God's Word, if you want God's Word, then it's going to be a little more difficult to understand. God's ways are a whole lot higher than our ways. And when we look into God's Word, don't think you're going to see something simple. Don't think when you look into God's Word that you're going to find something that's just, oh, it's just easy to understand and and it shouldn't be anything different than that. It should just be real easy for me to understand. Be careful because the the easiest to understand Bibles that are out there, quote-unquote Bibles that are out there, like the, like the New Living Translation and things like that. The easiest to understand Bibles are the ones with the most corruption. 
They're the ones that have so much of man's interpretation in them. You're not reading God's Word. You're reading what somebody says about God's Word. That's what, that's what a paraphrase is. And so we're talking about this book is a, is a translation of, the, of God's Word. And so we have it, and we're thankful for it. But uh, we need, and, and we need to search it out. Search the scriptures. You know, a lot of things through this whole, through the whole ordeal that went on that we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. Through the whole ordeal that went on in the 1800s and the early 1900s, um, there is uh, there were a lot of things that were revealed, that were seen, and people started seeing it, and they're asking questions. Well, what's gotten hoard and and they said all this and. And, and, and they were leaning so heavily upon this particular translation, such as that. And when and we come to find out, you know, that in fact, like, the one of the main ones they leaned on was the Vaticanus uh, manuscript uh, and Codex B. And they, they leaned heavily on it, even though that Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, are left out of that manuscript... But interestingly enough, and this is something that I remember Brother Ken Johnson, uh, the last time I saw Brother Ken Johnson, and I look forward to seeing him again, uh, but the last time I saw him, he pointed this out to me, and he said, you just, he said, we're talking about the end of Matthew, and he said, he said, you take a look at uh, some time, take a look at that manuscript, take a look at what it looks like, and and uh, and such and 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 you're going to see something, and that is that. Interestingly uh, enough, uh, that 42 blank these are his words. That 42 blank lines are found at the end of Mark, um, the likes of which are never are, are nowhere else found in this 759-page manuscript, Codex B. He said there's the, 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 the penman who transcribed the, supposedly transcribed the scripture, the, this, uh, the Greek text, um, he left uh, a big space. There's like three columns. And the second and the third column there are left blank a half of the, a portion of the second column and all of the third column of this manuscript are left blank and there's just enough space for these verses of scripture for verses 9 to 20 to fit in very nicely nowhere else in that manuscript is there any kind of spaces like that it's just not it it, it wasn't his practice to do it even at the end of a uh, of a book or anything like that he just left this stuff in there. Supposedly, that means that we're to rely heavily, and they did rely heavily on that Vaticanus manuscript. They relied so heavily on that Vaticanus manuscript, they're leaving things out. They're leaving things out that are in God's Word. And, and can you not think that it's probably problematic to leave those verses out when that when that penman obviously has left them out intentionally and has even left a space for them to, uh, to, to sit that we might see that, hey, this supposedly, Vaticanus, 
Sinaiticus, Alexandrinus. These manuscripts supposedly are the oldest and the most reliable manuscripts, you see. We're told that as you dig them out of a trash can at the mount of, you know, at the at the foot of the mount of Mount Sinai in in a monastery that you dig them out of the trash can, some of which had, uh, uh, the testimony at least, was that some of which had already been burned, uh, that, you, that you're finding the, the right scriptures. You're finding the scriptures here. You're finding something that you overrule the Textus Receptus. You overrule the 5,000 manuscripts plus manuscripts that are had that line up perfectly with the Textus Receptus with very, very small uh, sometimes inconsistencies because of error and so transcription error and such as this, that you overrule all of that and you put three manuscripts, no, actually two for them, you put two manuscripts, the Sinaitic and the Vaticanus manuscript, which are manuscripts which were produced in the fourth century, you put those manuscripts ahead of all the others. You put those ahead of the ones who have been used all the time through time down through time by the churches and you say oh that's definitely we found you know we found something big we found something important we need to search the scriptures on that every line from God's word is essentially thus saith the Lord we need to read that every line from his word every word out of his mouth we're to live by and and it's all to be Thus saith the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13, how do we view the Holy Scriptures? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is not the way I normally preach. This is topical. I know it. <laughs> Don't get mad at me for t- preaching a topical message today, but that's just that's the way it has to come out today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. The scripture says there, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, he's speaking to that that group that he had left behind, remember? When he went to Berea? Well, now Paul's speaking to that group, and he says we are so thankful without ceasing. Because, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. God's word, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it if I don't understand it. I'm going to take it and I'm going to try to feed upon it even if I don't understand it. And I know that it effectually works within my life. I know that it will affect God and his providence will work things in my life. And and I have been there, but how many times have you had in your life? whether you thought you understood something out of the scripture and something happens big time happens in your life and then you look back and you say I didn't understand that at all I didn't really I didn't really have and, and God opens your eyes to something that you didn't see before well that does happen God's word is high God's word is it is his word we're to receive the scriptures as his holy word and so that's what we need. Well, okay, so there's... I said I was going to try to go. Doctrinal considerations. A doctrinal consideration. Promise of preservation. Atmosphere of confusion. Lure of personal preference. And then historical considerations. Um, 
historical considerations. You got a, you, we've lost, we got a lost manuscript discovered back in the, uh, in the mid-1800s. We've got this lost manuscript that's discovered. And then we get another one that's discovered. And we got, and we start getting others. There, there's a, uh, really, a, a 1900 year, a 1900, excuse me, a 19th century gap before we finally get the Bible again. We had the, it had the Bible back then, obviously, but we've been missing it all this time. At least that's what the new translations, the, the underlying text, the people who put together the underlying text of the new translations of the Bible are telling us, basically, that they don't maybe realize they're telling us that, but they're telling us that we haven't had the Bible for 1,900 years. That's what they're telling us. And the oldest manuscript is, is, the, is the best one to take. You find something, and if it's the oldest, then that's the best. Tell my wife that about the stuff that, that's in the refrigerator. The oldest stuff is the best, sweetheart. I mean, it says, it says you know, something. <laughs> you know, look at the label. It says April of, of you know, 2019. <laughs> it's, you telling me it's been in there that long? Yeah, I guess it must have been. <laughs> That's crazy, but it must have been. Uh, the oldest is the best. The oldest is what you need. Well, let me tell you something. The oldest is, I, I, I want to say that the oldest is absolutely accurate, but they didn't find the oldest. They didn't find the original manuscripts, for one thing. And what they found were things that were doctored up and corrected and had all kinds of problems and and neither of the three manuscripts and neither of the two manuscripts that they used even agreed with each other. And so what they found was something that is a little bit the oldest manuscript theory that these manuscripts that have been preserved since the 4th century are better than the ones that have been used since the 1st century. Okay? Because that's what we're talking about here. The ones that were used since the first century, obviously, there's such a thing as, as uh, you know, as as some uh, some age and some degeneration when it's being used. Right. I can't keep. I have not had the same Bible all my lifetime right. because I tear up the others. I mark them up. I have torn them up. Their their binding is is completely tattered. And they're not useful anymore. They're difficult to use. And, I, and I'd say, when that happens, then it's time to, uh, to get another one. Make sure it's the same as that one, but get another one. Right. Then it's time to get another one. And, and that's the same thing that happened through the, in the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ all through time. And that is that they have been transcribing. I mean, until 1300, there wasn't no printing. 1300s, there wasn't no printing press. And so they were having to hand scribe the manuscripts. They're going to have to hand write the Bibles that they had. And, and, and so what you got is you got, a, you got the difficulty in the, of, of not having one single one. What, for all the churches? They don't, they're, they're independent anyway. Real churches are independent. They're independent of each other. You have one that's at the headquarters in at the Vatican or something. You know, no, you don't have anything like that. the The Word of God is clear that what what has happened. It seems like 
um, it's rather clear that it's most logical that what has been used all along is what we need. And those 5,000 plus manuscripts, that, those, that huge majority of the manuscripts, even today, you know how many, how many manuscripts that they found? Now, to this date, how many manuscripts are of the Alexandrian, Alexandrian text or text type? 17. They have 17 manuscripts to this day that are of that Alexandria text type. And they're the same. They're, they're similar, if you will, to the Alexandrian text, which is all kinds of question marks on that. We can go through history about that. But the problem is, problem is huge question marks about those that series or that type of text. And, and, and so uh, what we have is, uh, as God's people, we see that there's a, there's a far superior way of manuscript theory that is not so illogical. Codex Aleph, the Sinaiticus, mid-4th century. It's an Alexandrian-type manuscript found by Tischendorf in a wastebasket, literally in St. Catherine's Monastery at the foot of Mount Sinai in 1844. We got Codex B, which is the Vaticanus, which which they leaned on real heavily. Mid-4th century, Alexandrian-type manuscript from the Vatican in Rome. Where is it from? From Rome. Likely one of the uh, corrupted Bibles, a lot of evidence that this is one of the corrupted Bibles that Eusebius produced at the Order of Constantine, uh, and, it had, and it related very much to Origen and some corruption that he had, that he had uh, caused. And uh, then there's the Codex Alexandrinus, is another of this, of this text type, which is 5th century manuscript. But the compilation text, the text that is the Westcott and Horse text of 1881, is the text that all our new Bibles are being translated from. They're being translated from the wrong text. All these Bibles are being translated, or being paraphrased, or whatever you want to call it, they're being translated from the wrong text, from a compilation text. You know what that means? That means they compiled, they just put stuff together, they piecemealed stuff together and called it the Bible. There's, or it's also called the eclectic text, as opposed to the traditional text, as opposed to the text that's the majority, if you will. I know they call another one a majority text now, you know, quote unquote. But there is the Textus Receptus is a majority text. The Textus Receptus is the text where you got all these, you got these five thousand manuscripts, and you see, I mean, um, uh, Erasmus didn't have, he didn't have all that uh, much difficulty. In, in being able to just say <laughs> they're all the same <laughs> there's only a few little transcription things that need to be made and it's easy to see where the errors are but it's got 5,000 texts got, got a huge number of manuscripts it's easy to see where there's some transcription errors you compare all these things together and I could do it myself I'm a pretty good editor I can just start reading down and see hey you know this says this and so does this one and so does this one and so does this one and all you know these 1400 say this and and I'm looking at this one and this one's a little different well what do you think which one's right well this one that's different no no it's all these 1400 that are right it's a matter of it's a matter of seeing that there's a right theory a proper theory of of translation and of uh, of, of coming to the right uh, conclusions. They followed the older is better and the briefer is better theories. Briefer is better too. Westcott and Hort followed a theory of 
briefer is better. He, they, they believed that everywhere there's addition, there's probably added. <laughs> Wait a minute, you know? Everywhere there's, because certain ones don't have it and, so, and others do, and so, because they're only comparing two of them, they're looking at two different manuscripts mainly is all they're looking at. And so, anyway, um, you got their Alexandrian top text, uh, Sinaitic, Vaticanus. The others, the the large the large majority of the texts, the large majority of the manuscripts are Byzantine type texts. They're Byzantine type, and they are uh, obviously the Bibles that we use. These were the Bibles of the churches. It's a lost manuscript discovery, mid 1800s. Then the historical. Uh, considerations the Bibles of the churches. It was so faulty to ignore the majority of the manuscripts. Textus Receptus, uh, as as done by Erasmus from 1516 to 1535, largely of the Byzantine text type, by far the majority of manuscripts, by far the majority of manuscripts. Manuscript attrition explains the lack of more ancient manuscripts. In other words, where are those old manuscripts? It's attrition. It's just the fact that people die when they get old, right? And so do manuscripts. They die. They, they wear out when they get old. And, uh, and these text Bibles were easily compared and identified, being so overwhelmingly consistent. Eusebius and others that followed him used a superior method to the minority uh, oldest manuscript theory he and others like him, in essence, those who have been actually using their Bibles are far more likely to maintain and value them. And, uh, and so those who use their Bibles, even though their manuscripts might be a little cleaner and might be a little newer, they're the ones that had the Bible. They're the ones who've had it all along because God has done what? He's preserved His Word. He's preserved His Word. And so, move on. Historical considerations. A whole lot more. Brother Mel's probably preached many messages on this. And if he hasn't, then, then start drilling him, you know, for stuff. But anyway, uh, historical uh, consideration. Practical considerations. Practical. Objections to the KJV. Mistranslated portions of the KJV. No, it's translated from a, a different text stream. It's translated from a completely different text stream. You want to you argue about whether or not that's yours is right or the new translation is right over the King James you're really going to have that art you really want to have that argument because you're talking about completely different texts people don't know that people don't understand that there are people a lot of people who do not know that when these talk when people are saying oh you know that's what it says in the Greek you know they and that's a good thing to do there's nothing wrong with that if it's honest and if it's and if it's being used in a practical way to understand a particular verse or particular words in God's word, you know, no, that word in that particular place, it, it has this meaning, which is not normally the way we think of it. Wherefore sometimes it means why. And, you know, things that, you know, he who now letteth will let. Let sometimes means to restrain and not to allow, you know. And, and so you, you have to, there's, sometimes it's good for us to go back and to, even to look at Greek words and Hebrew words and, and to get, a, get a, a position on that and to understand uh, some questionable things that we might have. But, no, this is translated from a different text stream completely. And so we're not, talking, we're not dealing with the same 
same underlying Greek text in the New Testament as these folk are dealing with. They talk about archaic grammar, the archaic grammar of the KJV. Well, the fact of the matter is that a person that is, and I think a third grader, a person that could that can take and can get a little bit of schooling, very little bit of schooling, and in fact, he could probably figure it out on his own. These days, kids are smart. They they look at these. They they have these goofy looking things that stuck in front of their face all the time. Sometimes they're really smart. Seriously, they've gotten real smart. They they have acquired those that really want knowledge. They can acquire a lot of knowledge fast these days. And the fact of the matter is that just with a little bit of understanding, you can see you can see. Oh, that's the same word. It's just it's just written different. It's the letter is is comprised is composed differently. It's written a little bit different. So now I see. That 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 ye thing is actually a the uh, or something else or the other you know the other ways that in the even in the King James uh, the sixteen eleven King James version uh, from way back uh, it can be read with just a little instruction or a little practice but what do we need just a privately interpreted paraphrase some people think they think what we need today if we want to really win the world to Christ is to have something that's so simplified that anybody can read it. And the problem is, it's just the Word of man. It's man's Word. And God convicts and brings conviction on people through through the truth of the Gospel. Brings conviction on people through His Word. His Word is, is, uh, is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Scripture says. And so, so uh, a literal translation... Like I say earlier, practical consideration. Always going to be more difficult to understand. But we want God's Word. We want God's Word. I'm willing to study it. Willing to take it on. And, and you know, also another thing about the practical part of it is there is a historic progress of study aids that we have kicked down the road. Seriously. Seriously, what has happened is we have taken a new a, a new series of Bibles today and we have put them in the place of God's Word and a tremendous system of study aids that we have with God's Word. We have a tremendous system. Aids that are keyed to the King's uh, to the Strong's Concordance. We're talking practical today. Get yourself a Strong's Concordance and you find all the words, Hebrew and Greek, are given a number. Every word in this Bible is given a number. Every Greek word, every Hebrew word in this Bible is given a number in the Strong's Concordance. You look up that in those numbers, and I tell you, you've got all kinds of aids today. You, there's all kinds of aids for you to understand that word better, for you to, to, to understand the context better, for you to just to dive and be able to study and be able to get a little more accurate and, and a little more technical in your interpretation and in your understanding of God's Word. Those things are a huge help, and they have just been kicked to the side with the new translations. The new translations, you try to figure it out, and good luck. Good luck. I got, I, I got the ability with the... With the um, Strong's Concordance to, to look at all kinds of other, like I say, all kinds of other study aids, and, and these brethren here know that. Technical study, 
technical study, it's about becoming a thing of the past, but it's still, it's still readily available as God's people. We can still study God's Word. But don't take the shortcut. Don't take the easy path today, because it is the easier path today to, to just fold and say, you know, the new translations are easier to understand, and, you know, I want to find one that I can understand better so that, and, and in all due respect to, to, to folks, some that are believers and know the Lord and that love the Lord, in all due respect to them, you're far better off hanging on to your King James Bible. We're far better off with this blessed book that God's word that is, that is God's Word to us in the English speaking. And we do need the, sometimes we need the aid, sometimes we do need to reference the original you know, the original words and such as that to get a better grip and understanding. But God's Word is sufficient uh, for us. And, and, and God can speak to our hearts with just the King James Bible without having to have any of the rest. You don't even have to have Strong's Concordance. You don't even have to have all the rest of those things. God's Word can speak to your heart. It can accomplish in your life exactly what God wants to accomplish. And, and I would say to you today that, that yielding to God in one way is yielding to His Word. One aspect of yielding to Him is whenever we're searching, as these folk did, the Scriptures. Let's search the Scriptures in the sense in which that God would have us to. Let's, if we know these things, if we know some things about you know, why that the King James Bible is God's Word and, and why that others aren't, because of because of the manuscripts, I mean that's what it gets down to. Because of the fact that that this is the book that the churches have been using all through time, and and I don't mean the King James, but I mean the underlying text. It's what the churches have always been using through time. And so, so, so I know this is God's word. There, we do have the word of God today. We don't have it hidden in this mixture of a huge puzzle. That nothing ever even connects together. It's all just kind of, uh, it's all just this puzzle. It's just this, this is white puzzle. You know, you ever done a puzzle where there's too much of one color? <laughs> you know, you're trying to put the puzzle together and there's just too much of one color. Okay, I, that's a bunch of red. Well, let's pile all the red over there. You know, let's try to get the rest of it. Maybe we can make the red. You know, we can fit the red in. Uh, Denise is the puzzle puzzle champion. She's she does puzzle. And uh, you can put yeah put them all together. Well, it's pretty tough, you know, when you're you got all these different versions. What do I do? I come into the bookstore, you know, you see Walden's in, in the mall in Houston, Texas, if I remember. There's other bookstores, you know, Barnes and Noble or whatever. You you go into Barnes and Noble, you know, and you see all these Bibles. You say, oh, you know, what do I do? <laughs> Just find the ones that say KJV. You know, there's what you do, and and you're gonna be safe. You're gonna you're gonna be doing just fine. You'll be doing just fine. Well, that's the message for today. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble than the ones in Thessalonica. He's not even talking about the fact that they're Christians yet. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And so we need to have the same heart to be searching God's word and what word is it that we're to be searching and that's what we've been talking about